inside. Kempe dishes in front. Another sliding catch saved by Flurry. This time to his right. Because one hour isn't enough. We welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here is a left wing opportunity. Lizana sliding catch save. Robin Leonard. What a stop. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LBSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. We are going to get into it with Pete DeBoer along with Braden McNabb and Jonathan Marchessault available today as the Vegas Golden Knights return to the practice ice after a couple of days off. This is the third straight day without a game for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, hasn't happened all year outside of uh, pauses and uh, this was uh, generated because of some changes in the schedule uh, working around a couple of other uh, clubs who had to be uh, shuffled around or shut down for a little bit. So much needed, much appreciated welcomed and tomorrow night it's back to work against the colorado avalanche nine games left two against the colorado avalanche and the two games uh tomorrow night and then the second last game of the year just might determine who gets that top seed in the honda west division darren millard along with ryan wallace chris chapman here as well uh we'll get into that in just a little bit but before we do shame on you guys the good news of the day, the medieval market, outstanding. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't yeah. agree that it's a, it's a wonderful event, and we will be talking about it all week. But the good mm-hmm. news of the day, should it not have been a certain 48-year-old who put on the equipment on Saturday and laced them up and backed up for the Henderson Silver Knights? How about a stick tap to our good buddy Freddie Brathwaite, the Henderson Silver Knights goalie coach, who was the uh, backup to Yuri Patera on, on Saturday. What a cool story that was. Yeah, that's an awesome story, and uh, you know, in fairness, you're probably right. <laughs> that being said, you could always throw some ideas my way, especially if you feel like there's a slam dunk for the good news of the no, day. No, well, hey, he'd have to have read the oh, notes in order to do that, though. I, I read that's the point. I, I read the notes. I sent I, the notes out with plenty of time. You could have been like, "Hey, Wallace, uh, the the medieval market's really awesome." Like, you know, getting getting awesome gear into the hands of youth and adult players that really want elite gear would be great. But, you know, why don't we go in a different direction today and you can do that tomorrow? Oh, it's way more fun to second guess. No, don't no, you no. think? It's, well, I mean, I mean, it is in your position for sure. Like, yeah. I, I totally get it. Like that—that's kind of your default setting, which is totally fine. But I, you know, I'm just saying, if 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 you felt that strongly and you read the show notes, we could have had this conversation like two and a half. Ryan, hours. sometimes you just gotta let the kids like go on their own and find their yeah. way. No, I'll, I'll play that's peacemaker. That's what I'm trying to do. I'll play peacemaker here and say <laughs> it was a good thing that uh, he wasn't the backup on Sunday because he would have ended up playing. Had he been the backup on Sunday? Yes, it was uh, a pretty cool moment, though, to see Freddie out there uh, the, with the one picture and warm up, uh, chatting with the goaltender from the San Diego Gulls uh, across the red line. And and Freddie is uh, just—he's one of the most uh, affable, coolest fun people in our game and always has been. Always has a big smile on his face, and uh, and. Uh, made his way through uh, major junior hockey, won a Memorial Cup, and and then uh, also uh, got his way into the National Hockey League and uh, and played a number of years, finished up in, in Europe. But he's just he's just a great dude. Uh, I can't describe Freddie Brathwaite any other way other than being a great, 
dude and uh and being on the ice for that uh at 48 years old is 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 pretty neat uh i love it so uh i just uh, wanted to wanted to give our our, our man a, a bit of a bit of props out there you know i gotta tell you the mm-hmm. shame on you was really well done like i felt like i was in trouble why you've got you've got the dad voice down that's all Ooh. Oh yeah, yeah. Like there, like I could sense the disappointment in you. It was oh, I didn't. Well, yeah, I, I meant it to be that way, but I thought you could see through that. Uh, here, here's one for you. I had uh, on the this week's podcast, the chirp. I started off. I have uh, Sam Bannadon, Florida Panthers, mm-hmm. and yep. but we start off the pod episode with Ray Ferraro. My buddy from TSN, who I've worked with at Sportsnet over the years and uh, have a long-standing relationship with. And I started off our conversation with, uh, Ray, I need you to promise me you'll answer this question honestly. It's like, what do you mean? And this, this is like right out of the gate. This is how I start the uh, the conversation. He's like, like, 100, like totally honest? So I said, yeah, I need you to promise me you'll answer it honestly. It's like, without mm-hmm. knowing the question? Yes, and Ray does. Ray doesn't like these things, and and he's like, okay, I'll get like ninety six percent that that I'll answer it honestly. And and the question okay. was, does does he have as much trouble as I do, trying to explain and figure out what year it is and what last year is or two years ago, uh, what two seasons ago is, because when we're sitting here and we're going, oh well, last year. Well, what was last year? Last year was in the bubble, and then it went into yes. October, and that sort yeah. of feels like it was two years ago. And two years ago was really when the St. Louis Blues won, but that feels like seven years ago. And and you and I have both had these moments where we're like, well, wh- what is last year? What is last season? So that's uh, I, I, I use my dad voice on on Ray. It sort of worked, but I think it was more effective uh, <laughs> on you. Do you think Pete DeBoer's got a good dad voice? One hundred percent. I think we see it often when in his press conferences. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, stern. Yeah, a stoic. Like, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I, I wouldn't sneak it if Pete was my dad. Like, you wouldn't, wouldn't what? I wouldn't like sneak out of the house. Like I wouldn't Ooh. break curfew if I was if I was Pete's kid. Like I wouldn't do that. I definitely would not be stealing his lime key lime cookies either. No. Uh, okay. So here's here's the 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 interesting thing about Pete and being stern is John Tortorella mm-hmm. has has gone through a tumultuous season. Everything's fine. And, Thanks for asking, though. And a lot of it has been his own doing because he he sits down players, he benches them for and star players uh, for a significant time. On on the last week, Connor Hellebuck was taken out of a game in Winnipeg, and he didn't like it. And kind of had some back and mm-hmm. forth with the coach. I don't think it was anything bad, but but uh, the the Connor Hellebuck voices displeasure with Paul Maurice taking him out, and then Paul benched Mark Shifley uh, on mm-hmm. the weekend, and Mark didn't like it, and voices displeasure. It got me thinking. I I don't think we've seen we've seen maybe lines lost in the shuffle. We've seen maybe a player or two left out of a rotation but we it's usually the the third or the fourth line or a defensive pair that that mm-hmm. get brushed aside during the course of a game or just left out we haven't really seen a, a benching all year have we no i don't i don't think so i mean i i think again as as you've mentioned there have been certain 
periods of the game in which there's been a shortening of the bench or there's been you know just just different things that that have have been essentially brought about because of the score or the mm-hmm. the situation that you're in within a game but i don't recall uh, Pete DeBoer sitting a player down and not playing them for any other reason than that. Nothing that would stand out. I know that there's been certain instances where a player hasn't got a shift in a long time and mm-hmm. he may not have been having a, a, a great game, but nothing super significant uh, like like a Mark Shifley. So it, it's um, yeah, fascinating how coaches go at it in different ways. That said, the Golden Knights are running along at a plus 700 winning percentage. Hasn't been a lot of like opportunities for Pete DeBoer to even go down that path and go. Now, he's taken, he's taken Nick Waugh out of the lineup. He's taken uh, Cody Glass out of the lineup. He's done some of that. Uh, Tomas Nosek, mm-hmm. he took out of the lineup uh, after he came back from COVID. So there's been a bit of that if you want to go down that route. But as far as the in-game stuff, very little. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, you know, just from my perspective, I think you can send that message by by scratching a player, by saying, look, your your game's not where we need it to be. Take a rest, take a, a, a game off, and get to where you need to be. But And I, I like that approach more than within a game. Now, if, if a player doesn't have it, if a player's not going, like, you have to make the determination of if you play them, is it going to hurt you? But I think that when you're in a game, and, and especially in a, a season like this where, you know, every game matters so much and you you really are playing every other night, I think to to intentionally make yourself shorthanded is not necessarily the best play in those situations, especially when you have other ways to get your, your point across, which is the healthy scratch. So I, I like how Pete's chosen to go about that this season. When star players get benched, mm-hmm. by large accounts, the reason why a coach goes down that path, because it, to go down that path is only going to cause you headache. So it has to, right. for some, some coaches, like, they, they don't care. They'll just do it, and they don't care about the headache. A lot of coaches care about the headache, and they just, okay, I have to do this. Why do they have to do that? Because it's accountability. It's accountability to the player that's that's stepping outside the boundaries of, of what the coach wants the player to do, and it's to hold the coach uh, in the same light uh, with respect to the rest of the lineup. The players don't want to be looking at the coach going, why is that guy getting away with stuff? And yet he's barking at me about doing this, the, the same thing. Like, that that's not right. So the coach has to maintain his place within within the group. Uh, is, it, is it why we haven't seen this type of action from Coach Pete DeBoer? Because the group is so great at holding itself accountable that the coach very rarely has to do something like that. I I think that that certainly makes a lot of sense. Like when you when you just you factor in the Golden Knights and and the run that they've been on, and even the comments from Pete DeBoer, where he he has gone on the record and said that if there are stretches within a game where our our execution isn't where we want it to be, 
He's like, I don't have to say very much because the group takes notice and they self-correct, and that's kind of where the Golden Knights have been over the latter half of, of this of this season. And I think that that comes a lot with expectations, the expectations that everyone in that room shares. But I think it comes from that leadership group and, and Mark Stone just kind of being that leader that, that expects a lot from you on this team but also expects and demands a lot from himself. It's really unique that a team has that because even on great clubs, great rosters, yeah. you had players that had to be pulled in and and had to be talked to by the coach or talked to by uh, management and, and be handled. And then they go out and they'd be great. Yeah. But to not have it at all is is more uh, unique than than uh, to have star players benched. It's just it's it's different, and I don't in in just sitting here going through uh, whether we've had a star player or a, a, a one of the skilled players sat down. Can't remember it, and that's to be this far into a season and not be able to remember anything like that. That's that's really. Uh, uh, speaks to uh, to the control of the group. Like Brett Hull, he would still get into it with the coaches all the time. The yeah. legendary yeah. with uh, with Ken Hitchcock and a few others. Uh, in fact, <laughs> heck, uh, Brett would get into it with the other players, with his own line mates. He'd line up for a faceoff and he'd look across the ice to the opposing <laughs> winger and go, "Can you believe who I'm skating with tonight?" Can you believe who <laughs> Hitchcock's got me playing with tonight? And the centerman sitting there, he can hear him. And go. He's talking about me, <laughs> like, that that kind of thing. And then they'd have to talk to Brett and say, "You can't, you can't talk about your your fellow teammates like that, especially when they can hear you, especially when you're lining up for a face off against the other team. It, it doesn't do much for the for the group's confidence. Uh, so uh, interesting that uh, that we get to, to to that stage. And and I, like I I don't mind it when a when a coach benches a player. Like I would mm-hmm. be that guy. I would be a guy that you'd have to bench every now and then because I'd, I'd get too confident or get too uh, complacent. And and yeah. I would I would need that. I know that about my personality, that, that I would need that little bit of push. And I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad uh, tool for the coach to have. It, just in terms of benching, though, like are, are yeah. you advocating or, or would you would you advocate for benching the entire rest of the game or benching no. for the period and I think having that's that terrible. conversation and saying you you need to come back and, and play in the in the second period or third period, whatever it, it may be. So I'll give you the example. Uh, Mark Shifley the other night sat down for, yeah. I think it was 21 minutes straight. Uh, may have that slightly off. But it was from uh, early in the second period uh, and then through to like three minutes into the third. It was a long stretch. Okay. But he mm-hmm. played like the final. Uh, he was available and and took a shift for the final seventeen minutes of the game. I think that's big. But to do what Tortorella did with Dubois and sit him down for like three quarters of the game, I think it's yeah. just you're, you're getting nothing out of that. And then it starts right. affecting everybody because they can't play their game because they're busy watching uh, Dubois and they're wondering whether he's going to come back. Well. You, you got to be able to. Then it gives the player an opportunity to to show the coach in that game, in that moment, mm-hmm. that uh, yeah. that he's got the ability. And the the Shafley one was he he was out for an extended shift, and 
and he held them accountable to that. And, and star players tend to do that, especially when they're on the power play. Uh, they tend to get, uh, uh, Ray Ferro said, Luke Robitaille would always get caught on the other side of the ice on a power play. Sorry, guys, I couldn't get across. I was, I didn't, I mean, and he would play <laughs> buck 50 of every power play when he was in L.A., <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, so I, I, I don't mind it. Uh, I'm, I'm in favor of it every now and then. But you got to be sure when you're about it. Uh, and uh, you got to be, know your group and this is this is a scenario where it's really rare that the golden knights have not experienced anything like that from what their their top nine nine forwards or their top four defensemen there's been no no going down that path at all this year yeah it's it's spoken i think a lot to to that room and and to the leadership and and really what that that goal is this season. I, I think you look at the Golden Knights, and this is a team that's incredibly focused on what they want to accomplish, and everything else is just kind of out on the outside. And, you know, it's it's led to an incredibly consistent effort night in and night out all season long. Let's get to uh, Pete DeBoer, some of the uh, comments that, that he made today in going back to work. A practice. <laughs> How about that? Like a legitimate practice today. <laughs> the Golden Knights yeah. had multiple days off before and after a game for the first time in forever uh, uh, this this week. And they had uh, two days off to recuperate and then had a legitimate off-day practice uh, that they could work on some things. And part of that was uh, was getting some some updates, uh, the appearance of, of a couple of players that we haven't witnessed uh, for a while, and uh, getting the updates, uh, the latest on the status uh, of others. So let's start with uh, how long is Tomas Nosek going to be out? Longer than day-to-day, but uh, I'm not worried uh, about, uh, you know, late in the season or for the playoffs. Nick Waugh also left the game on the weekend. Uh, here is the latest on the pivot. I would call uh, Waugh more day-to-day. Um, so we'll see. I'm not ruling them out at any point here. Uh, we'll see how he feels tomorrow, and uh, and we'll go from there. But uh, definitely not uh, in the same boat as Nosek. So getting better there as far as availability to the lineup. Riley Smith and Keegan Colasar were both on the ice today during uh, the practice, and Pete DeBoer was asked about their status. Uh, depending on how they wake up tomorrow and feel, that's the first time we've integrated them both back into a practice. Uh, it's kind of ironic. It's our first practice in a month, so it's, it's not like they had an option of getting in earlier, but um, you know that's the first time they've been back with our group, and uh, it looked good, and depends how they feel tomorrow. So I would call them both game time decisions. We'll see whether uh, if if Wa and Nosek can't go. It doesn't sound like Nosek's going to be able to go. Uh, that was right. uh, that was evident. Wa little bit uh, more uh, of a game time decision. If those two can't go, and Riley Smith and Keegan Colasar are able to go in, you might see the Matthias Janmark uh, experiment to go over to center, where he's played one of his games with the, with the Vegas Golden Knights. Riley Smith would would play with uh, Carlson and and Marcheseau, but uh, you'll see the versatility again of of Matthias Janmark. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, a deadline acquisition that it's paying off in more ways than one just because of how versatile a player he is and where you can plug him in and out or up and down in, in terms of the lineup. So for the Golden Knights, you get Riley Smith back. If he's able to go tomorrow, you have, again, the ability to, to plug Matthias Janmark down, have him play with Alex Tuck, and continue to build that chemistry that you hope those two players can have uh, for you in the in the playoffs. Uh, how much are you looking forward to anticipating that game tomorrow night against the Colorado Avalanche? I mean, I'm I'm anticipating it. I, I think kind of the the main issue for me in terms of tomorrow's game with Colorado is, you know, pretty much at every point during this season when these two teams have played, there have been injuries on both sides, and it hasn't been insignificant. And you know, it's it's hard to get a real gauge on where you are in terms of of that. Uh, that rivalry in terms of where you stack up against that team when you know the Golden Knights aren't going to be fully healthy Colorado isn't going to be fully healthy so um, it's tough to really get that gauge but just in terms of excitement surrounding the game I love it when the Golden Knights play the Colorado Avalanche I think the games are exciting I think they're incredibly fun and from that aspect I'm I'm 100 percent dialed into watching that game tomorrow there's a whole bunch on the line tomorrow night. It's a swing game. Yeah. Uh, four points yeah. between the two right now. Could be six. Could be two. Could be somewhere in the middle. Uh, also yeah. have the tiebreaker influence uh, on this game when it comes to points gained against the opposition. And uh, right now the uh, the Colorado Avalanche have a one-point lead. Uh, even though the series is 3-3, uh, there's the advantage for the for the Colorado Avalanche. So uh, a couple of different things uh, looming uh, for this game beyond just the obvious. First place, the two Titans in the division squaring off uh, inside of 10 games to go. And it's an opportunity to make a statement but also uh, improve uh, your lot in the standings. Here's Pete DeBoer on the significance of tomorrow night's game against Colorado. No, we've just got to go and play. I mean, we've been playing some really solid hockey, and you don't win nine in a row in this league, regardless of the opponents, unless you're you're, you're playing solid. So, you know, we want to make sure that uh, we use the the opportunity to to take some time off, which we did. Um, you know, and and now the goal is to get back and pick up our game where we left it off uh, the other night in Anaheim. I think. Um, you know, the fact that we're in this spot with nine, ga- nine games to go, I-, I think is a credit to our group. It wasn't that long ago we were, you know, quite a ways on the outside looking in, uh, you know, with uh, with not a lot of hope of catching Colorado. So, you know, the fact that uh, we've done what we've done over the last month in order to put ourselves in this spot, I think, uh, you know, is a, is a testament to our group. And, and now we've just got to make sure our game's in a good place here over the last nine for the players, I'm curious whether they look at it any different. Uh, Jonathan Marcheseau on tomorrow being the most important game of the year, or is it? 100%. I mean, uh, we worked all, all year to put ourselves in a position that we can be the best team in the league. And uh, tomorrow, by winning that game, we could be the best team in the NHL uh, on, uh, on in, in the standings. So it's, uh, it's the most important game, and uh, definitely have to show up. So you've got the emotion of Jonathan Marcheseau, the uh, pragmatic approach of the head coach, and somewhere in between, 
is the personality of Braden McNabb. Here's his assessment on the significance of tomorrow night. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a big one. Uh, it's, you know, could very well be for first place. So it's going to be a playoff like feel, I feel like. So uh, it's going to be going to be important, important game for sure. Are you swung, swinging one way or the other uh, after listening to those three uh, veteran voices? No, I, I think it's a, a huge game. Like For the Golden Knights and their directive, their desire to finish first overall in this division, and you can kind of pull it out to the rest of the league as well, but in this division is, is what matters most to me right now. This is a huge game because it's likely when you look at the – when you compare the two schedules for the Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche down the stretch – Vegas certainly has the tougher of the two schedules. That all being said, the Golden Knights can go a long, long way if in their bid to finish first overall if they are to beat Colorado tomorrow and then certainly later on at the at the end of the season. So in terms of that, it's a huge game. This is one of the bigger games of the season for the Golden Knights, and it's going to be interesting to see how they they go into this game with the rest and a nine-game win streak to boot. Colorado has 10 games left, and they play uh, a playoff team on two occasions down the stretch, both games yeah. against the Golden Knights. Uh, flip it now for, for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, they have nine games left, and the the only real soft part of the schedule is the uh, last game of the year against the San Jose Sharks. The rest of it is two against Minnesota, two against St. Louis, uh, two against Colorado, two against Arizona, who are right in the middle of it. It's a much... Yep tougher road to finish. Now, Vegas just came off uh, an incredible uh, stretch uh, against teams that are outside of the playoff position, and they they made those games count and and put those points in the bank. Now they have to do it against the the more difficult competition, and 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 the the games against the Minnesota Wild in St. Paul are going to be uh, a challenging moment. And we'll talk about statement games and uh, what goes into uh, the challenge and the. Uh, the significance of those games in a week. But uh, to be able to, if you can win tomorrow night and the ifs and the whats and uh, and the potential are all there, to be six points clear uh, would be a, a pretty significant advantage uh, going into the to what would be eight games left. Yeah, 100%. I think that, that there's certainly extra importance placed on the game tomorrow against Colorado. There's certainly just seeing and assessing where you are in terms of that team but but when you can can put yourself six points clear of your closest um, your closest rival for that top spot in the Honda West division I, I think that's a game that the Golden Knights really really want to win and you know what else it would do is tomorrow night's a huge night in in the western division everybody's going in yeah. in, in action uh, it would also put Colorado looking behind them a little bit. Uh, against yeah. the Minnesota Wild because the Wild are right there. Uh, Wild are not locked into third place in the West Division. Uh, they've made significant strides and managed to maintain touch with the Colorados and, and, the, and the Golden Knights. And it would just change the look of the division a little bit, uh, being able to force the Avalanche, who have been on such an incredible roll before the mm -hmm. pair of losses against the St. Louis Blues, to think about something else other than first place. 
the only team hotter than the Minnesota Wild are the Vegas Golden Knights. Like Minnesota's mm-hmm. on a seven-game win streak. So you're you're absolutely right. I mean, they've gone on a tear in Colorado. Uh, they looked good in that first game back after after their COVID break, but it's been two two now that they've lost to St. Louis. And you got to give St. Louis credit. Their their season is is more or less on the line every single time they play a game. So um, it it. it was two two wins that the St. Louis Blues absolutely needed, and the Colorado Avalanche didn't have it to match. And you're absolutely right. If, if Vegas can kind of set, put that distance uh, between themselves and Colorado and Minnesota continues to push, then it might be uncomfortable for the Colorado Avalanche, which I think you know three, four weeks ago we thought was unfathomable because they were running away with the division. Uh, incredible, the turn of events and what uh, Vegas has been able to do to take advantage of the opportunity. Nine games in a row. One more, and you hit uh, a new franchise high, and you also uh, will put a little bit of distance between yourselves and the chasing Colorado Avalanche and the Minnesota Wild. We'll get into other news and notes from around the National Hockey League. There's a trophy tracker that takes place on NHL.com with their writers, and I want to get into the West Division part of things and where some of the Golden Knights stack up as far as the races for postseason acknowledgement. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. On to the near wing. Big shot, he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the BGK Insider Show. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, clinching scenarios have been released. The Florida Panthers will earn a berth to the Stanley Cup playoffs if they defeat the Nashville Predators tonight or a bunch of other things happen. The Tampa Bay Lightning <laughs> will clinch a playoff berth if they get by the Chicago Blackhawks or if a bunch of other things happen. And the Pittsburgh Penguins will secure its spot in the Stanley Cup playoffs if they get by the Boston Bruins and the Buffalo Sabres defeat the New York Rangers in regulation. That one's a little bit more simple. You win and you get some help and you're in. But three teams have an opportunity to punch their ticket to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, John Shannon, who is on this program in hour number one, talking about TV rights, says that I'm not allowed to use the term punch their ticket anymore because nobody uses tickets anymore. You just, like, scan your ticket. And we were trying to come up with different ways to, say, get into the playoffs. Any ideas, mm-hmm. Any anything that uh, comes to mind, uh, let me know on Twitter, at Darren Millard. But, yeah. uh, but you guys, does anything, uh, like... Um, trying to come up with uh, like uh, are on the uh, are on the uh, tour uh, for the Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't know. I'm trying to come. Well, up you have to download the 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 ticket to your phone. But mm-hmm. I mean, I I don't know. Do you really? What's, download what's another phrase? What's another ticket? phrase that I can use for uh, earning the spot in the Stanley Cup playoffs? That's too boring. I need I need something. They visible. slayed the dragon and cooked its supper. No, that's that's that works, but it's you can't overuse that one. Oh, okay. You, you, how many times have I used that on this show? Well, once, but yeah, well, hold on. <laughs> how many times have you used it? Just one time. How many times time. has Chris played it? Do you think they've slayed the dragon, and now it's just a matter of uh, of cooking up some some supper? One million only, and one now. You you can't you can't overuse stuff. So I need some, I need a new means. new term instead of punch their ticket uh, to the Stanley Cup playoffs. I need a new term. So uh, think of something there for me, please. Uh, we yeah. have. Um, oh, by the way, the Red Wings uh, missing the playoffs. Uh, they uh, they're done. Just wanted to give you an update on on that on that one. As as certain teams become are, are they 
are they less done than the Columbus Blue Jackets? Well, you know, that happened fast. I was talking to the guys at, at, at work today in Matt and Brady, and uh, we were having a big conversation about different things going on in the league. And yeah. and they're, they're legitimate hockey fans. Uh, they love working sure. for the team, but they, they, they're legitimate hockey fans. And uh, we all looked at each other and went, when did that happen? When did Columbus fall behind the Detroit Red Wings? Uh, mm-hmm. And now a long winning streak uh, will do that to you, or a losing streak will do that to you. But, boy, that that is... If you're a Columbus Blue Jacket, I mean, look at the players that that left that organization in the last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. And I'm not even going like two years ago when they lost the the big crop via free agency. But Josh Anderson, Pierre Luc Dubois, Nick Foligno, David Savard, yep. they they lost a lot of frontline talent, and they are a shell of of what they used to be in. Quite frankly, Patrick Laine hasn't played great. Uh, Max Domi. You know what? Max Domi can make some history this year. Mm. Wow. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets uh, forward. If Max Domi finishes atop the penalty minutes lead for the National Hockey League this year, he and his father, Ty, will become the first father-son combination to ever lead the National Hockey League in PIMS. Well, if well, you're going to be good, you may as well be Blue good at Jackets, something. Well, at least the Blue Jackets have that going for them. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing. Like, Max isn't supposed to be that. Now, that isn't what it used to be either. He's, sure, he's got 69 sure. penalty minutes uh, in this season. So in, in 49 games, his dad had over 300 when he, he rented them. Or when he uh, led the league in the National Hockey League penalty minutes. But, uh, yeah. but like, Max is supposed to be... A point producer. Uh, so well, this tells you I, two things. One, Max has got yeah. off the path a little bit. Uh, the other two, the other one is like uh, leading the league in penalty minutes isn't really leading the league in penalty minutes anymore. Well, it's it's yeah, you're absolutely right there. It's it's certainly not what it used to mean, what not what it used to be. But yeah, I think it's just a frustrating season for Max Domi, and you know it's. It's it's got to be tough to play in that situation right now, especially when you kind of look at the Columbus Blue Jackets over the last couple of years and, and how they've been able to galvanize and find ways to win and get into the playoffs. It's it's got to be a frustrating, frustrating experience right now. More Should than three times as many penalty minutes as he does points. Who Max Domi? Yeah, sixty nine penalty minutes, twenty one points. Yeah. Uh, should he should he just be taking minor penalties or fighting uh, just to? to cement that as piece of history i think he should yeah like, why not i mean if you're playing you, you got to play for something right he was just scratched out of the lineup and then got back in because tom brady uh, they played in tampa and tom brady was at the game <laughs> as ty's guest so the big thing is uh that he was just there he got back in the lineup because tom brady was uh, in attendance uh, uh nhl.com I don't, I don't think torts i don't think torts cares about tom brady yeah i'm probably with you on that uh the Honda yeah. West Division through NHL.com and their writers have their trophy tracker. Uh, the Hart mm-hmm. Trophy leader is Nathan McKinnon, followed by Mark Stone and Kirill Kaprizov. Any issues there? Uh, I mean, I not really. I, I think I'd probably rate Mark Stone a bit higher than, than Nathan McKinnon just because Stone's been so, so influential to what the Golden Knights have done. And, and Kirill Kaprizov, there's not really much else you can say about him. 
Uh, but no, I don't have too much issue with that. Yeah, three first place votes for McKinnon, one first place votes for Mark Stone. I think that could go down to the wire. If if you nominate yeah. a winner out of each division, that could be a great race. Still think the Hart Trophy goes to uh, Connor McDavid, who just did Connor McDavid types things last night against the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Norris Trophy. Yeah. Shea Theodore is the leader coming out of the West right now with three first place votes. Uh, runner up. Uh, Kale McCarr and Jacob Chickfriend, who scored his 16th goal last night. Yeah, I, I think it's been a really good season for Jacob Chickren and Shea Theodore. He's, he's really kind of collecting points over the, the last little bit, and I think that you know he's been strong defensively uh, throughout the majority of the season. So I, I'd like to see it. I, I think Kale McCarr is certainly there, and, and Chickren's had a great run. Vezina Trophy leader Marc-Andre Fleury, Ahead of the runner-up, Philip Grubauer and Cam Talbot. That one surprises me a bit. Grubauer's been phenomenal. And mm-hmm. Marc-Andre Fleury had that wildly successful career run. But uh, but that one, I think that one, just like McKinnon Stone, could go either way. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I wouldn't be... I, I, if you would have told me it's Grubauer and Fleury and then it's everyone else, that's kind of yeah. where I'm at. I think... Uh, Cam Talbot got in there because they're in third place. I'd Although, probably have Robin Leonard over Cam Talbot. Really? Yes. That's I mean, an interesting. Tal- take Talbot's on played it. Talbot's played more games, obviously, but Robin Leonard is twelve and one. I know. With, with well, only one shoot, one shutout, but he's a two point zero four goals against average and a nine point two two save percentage compared to the two point three three nine point two six for. Marc-Andre Fleury had three first-place votes, and Grubauer had two. And uh, for the top rookie of the Calder Trophy, Kirill Kaprizov, uh, unanimous number one. Zero argument. Yes. Uh, That's out of the West Division, West Division only. Uh, Those are your one-timers for this Tuesday, April the 10th. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Last of three days between games for the Vegas Golden Knights. Back at it tomorrow night. A 6.30 start at T-Mobile Arena against the Colorado Avalanche. Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace. We will be live at T-Mobile at the Fortress, teeing that one up uh, for you tomorrow at 4 o'clock on the VGK Insider Show. A 90-minute show tomorrow ahead into the VGK pregame show. Time for Catching Up with Chapman. Well, as everyone listening probably knows, we did a best-of show yesterday, and I got myself in a little bit of trouble. Uh, We were driving around, and uh, me and the wife, and we happened to be listening to it. (laughs) And... (laughs) The segment in the best of that I played was where I mentioned that I went and had two pieces of cheesecake. And it was from last week. Well, it's a best of show. I mean, that's the thing. I have to pull segments. So usually when best ofs, you go like cheesecake. In in best of shows, you go back more than a week. Well, I mean, I I like to be current. You're in double trouble. I like to be current. I I played, you know, Kelly McCrimmon and I I, I played Mm -hmm. uh, Jackie Redman. And I played, you know, you guys discussing Patrick Marlowe breaking the record. So, so all relatively recent things. But okay. the wife wanted okay. to know why I decided to leave a piece of cheesecake there and not bring one home for her. She was, mm-hmm. she was not. Did you, did you, did you tell her that you had already grabbed two slices <laughs> when you were only supposed to grab one? Well, 
No. Did she then I, ask you why you didn't just bring the second slice home to her like no, you should have done? I, I, I kind of basically told her, well, I wasn't sure you were going to eat it. She's like, you know, I like cheesecake. I make it. I was like, uh, so a uh, little bit of trouble for me with the wife. But, Can we uh, call her by her name get, and not the wife? Junko. Yeah. Okay. Can we call her did by, you, like, did you... <laughs> I mean, like, even if you want to say Mrs. Chapman, like, yeah, Chapman? Be okay. okay, but not the wife. Like, that's yeah. I don't like that. Well, I got the kid. I got and, the, and the, the did, <laughs> no, 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 stop. The stop. dog. Did you get her cheesecake yesterday? That's the question. No, but we did. I did let her, or I did buy some things for her at the grocery store, the Asian grocery store that she was missing some stuff from home. So I, I was like, all right, well, let's get some extra now. So make up for it. You should publish a book. No. No, 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 no. You should publish a book, and every uh, partner should read it and say, I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't say that. What not to do. Yeah. What hey, not to do hey, by Chris Chapman. I'm married, so whatever I did is working. So We'll update you on that next week. Uh, tomorrow, live from T-Mobile Arena, the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.